Hey, how's it going, everyone? And welcome back to yet again another episode of the Box One Playoff Edition. So the first round has completed just about a week ago, and so we're going to give you kind of our reactions and our analysis of what the, of all those series, and looking back currently on the second round series as well. So, but as usual with every episode, we got to first start with some major headlines. So, Faze, you take it away. Yes, sir. All right. So. First major highlight, Nikola Jokic wins the league's most valuable player. Um, he's been having a spectacular season. Um, despite the loss of Jamal Murray about, I don't know, halfway or like two quarters to two and two and three quarters to like through the season, he's still been able to put up remarkable numbers. In the first series, he averaged, I think, over 30 points per game. He's probably one of the best passing bigs this league has ever seen. And he's been consistent. Like every single game down, he'll never let his team down. That's why the Nuggets are currently third place. Despite being down 0-2 to the uh, to the Suns, which is kind of concerning, he put together a remarkable season and uh, very happy for him. Absolutely. Definitely well-deserved. I think this is the first time a center's won MVP since Shaq in 2000. So this is a really welcoming sign for like the big man. Uh, like pr- definitely like, the past few years, like the big man, uh, like the... The reputation for the big man like as far as teams are going like kind of fading away that's that's mainly what everyone thinks but we have people like Jokic and, and Bede who are like pretty much the two two contending uh players for MVP who are both like parent um like the penalty with big men of this generation so really a welcoming sign big congrats to Jokic of winning the MVP but what's also what's really interesting is that the fan vote for the voting like Jokic obviously got majority of the first place votes but there was one player who managed got himself a vote as well. Do you know who might that be? I have no idea. Derek Rose had an MVP vote as well. Interesting. And speaking of Derek Rose and Knicks, Coach Tibbs wins Coach of the Year uh, for the I think for the second time for Coach Tibbs when he was like with the Bulls as well. So um, you know, as great as Monty Williams has been for the Suns, I think like. I think that like Coach Tibbs I think gets his award um, just really because like the way how he's able to like turn the Knicks franchise around, especially you know this past few years for the Knicks has been absolutely disastrous. You know with like the culture, like the chemistry, and like pretty much the entire organization as a whole was like not really in a direction. And like Coach Tibbs really gets create like a winning culture for them to kind of became being able to um, have the players understand their roles and be able to commit to their roles and. While they may not be able to like um, win their first round series against the Hawks, um, it's like really great to see that they were able to finish top four in the East, in a very loaded East, really, and having like Julius Randle becoming an up and coming superstar um, as well. So, congrats to Coach Tibbs. Yeah, I think what's remarkable is that like the Knicks had a 20 game improvement from their previous season, and like considering like this was 72 games instead of 82, like 20 games is actually like a pretty big amount. So you know, very happy for him. Yeah, I was, I was, I, I kind of had Monty Williams winning the award, or maybe Quinn Snyder. Um, but hey, you know, Thibs did his thing. Hopefully, New York can uh, come back stronger next year and fix some of their offensive mm-hmm. struggles that were highlighted in the first round. Um, and then, so next we have our defensive player of the year. Um, this dude named Rudy Gobert won for the three time, for like the third time in the last four years. Um, I thought Ben Simmons got robbed. I thought he should have won, but again, um, Rudy Gobert is one of the elite rim protectors. Um, the Jazz always have like a top three, top five defense. Um, he's a big reason why they're the number one seed in the West and uh, currently in the second round of playoffs. And I mean, yeah, the man can block shots. He can play good defense. I can't deny that as much as I think he's a casual. You know, he does his job well. So <laughs> congrats to Rudy Gobert. 
I mean, as many times as FaZe would like to slander him, I'm pretty sure deep down, like Rudy Gobert is pretty much FaZe's favorite uh, player. So, okay. but okay. nonetheless, okay. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's a great award for Rudy Gilbert uh, as well. So, and like besides those three, do we have like other awards like uh, Jordan Clarkson winning sixth man of the year? Um, as we mentioned, Julius Randle winning most improved player. So that pretty much rounds out uh, the major awards uh, for this year. Um, also, um, there is a switch in terms of, like the Boston Celtics executives. Danny Ainge the four, is now retired from President of Civil Operations, which means that the head coach, Brad Stevens, or I should say former head coach, Brad Stevens, will now be the new president of basketball operations. So he'll be like pretty much running the uh, organization at that position, which means the Celtics will need a new coach. Yeah, and also the Portland Trailblazers, right? Because Terry Stotts is now out as head coach. Um, as well, def- yes. Definitely after the Blazers disappointing first round exit a lot of questions seem to be seen about who will be head coach i think they're looking into jason kidd but i, I heard he didn't want the offer but i think currently mm-hmm. mike d'antoni is interested so. mike d'antoni was also like an interesting option as well so i uh, mean i feel oh i'm sorry you go oh that's all right so like yeah mike i mean it's really gonna be interesting like the way how uh this organization is gonna like go in a certain direction like i'm pretty sure like uh dame is like still like being com- being committed with uh, being part of this organization, despite you know not having as much help, really, especially in that pr- that playoff series against the Nuggets. But you know, some if there's like this direction that he's not really with it, probably he might opt out. So we'll see how things uh, the next few months go out for them. Low key, low key. If the Blazers dealt Dame, think about the treasure of assets they would get. Like if you went to New York or something. Ooh. I'm not Stephen A, but. Hey, if you go to the Vegas, well, you know, home. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a wet dream for Stephen A, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, LeBron, um, you know, we have this uh, much-anticipated release of Space Jam 2. He's going to debut his LeBron 19s in that movie. Um, I think there's, there's some, like, leaked pictures of, like, what could, I think what's the LeBron 19s going to look like. And so far, I mean, it's, it's a pretty nice look. Um, usually, the LeBron uh, Nike shoe line has always been really nice so uh pretty excited to see uh how it turns out a low-key might get me some of those mm-hmm. and also speaking of lebron um he's changing his number from 23 to 6 going back to the miami days so maybe he's trying to turn back time could this be some sort of sign um but yeah i, I think it's a strategic move you know i think he wanted to go with number six before but because like nike already processed all the jerseys they couldn't go back like after he got traded to the lakers in, i think 2018 so um LeBron going back to number six. That's a scary sight for the league. You already know what he's going to number six. Like LeBron's number six at the Heat, that was absolute prime LeBron. I mean, like I think we all remember that face that he made in 2012 Eastern Conference Finals Game Six. Like evil LeBron, you know. Like what? Do you think we might see that again? So we'll see how things turned out with that coming number six. All right. So that's all the major headlines out of the way. So let's kind of look back at the. Like, the, like really, really entertaining first-round matchups we've seen throughout these playoffs. So we'll start off with the Western Conference and the 1-8 matchup, the Jazz and Grizzlies. Jazz were able to win in five games. Um, interestingly, I think in game one, the Grizzlies stole that game um, from the Jazz that in that series. I mean, despite Donovan Mitchell wasn't able to play, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure like, it's expected that the Jazz were able to win, given that they're the number one overall seed, the best record 
uh, in the NBA. But I mean, like the up and coming talents that the Grizzlies have, you know, I think this is a really bright spot that they're in. And especially John Morant, man, this, this man is a rising superstar. And sir, like the, the numbers he put in his pulled off in his first ever uh, playoff series is absolutely remarkable. So this is a great sign for the Grizz. Um, I thought the Grizzlies put up a good fight. I expected them maybe to steal a game, maybe not. But hey, they showed that intensity and that grit that Memphis is known for. So, you know, uh, hopefully they'll be back next year. I think they need to make a few more acquisitions before they're like considered title contenders. But hey, John Moran is the face of the um, franchise. Next up, Suns and Lakers. Uh, this this burns mm, me to talk this about. Is, this is, uh, yeah, this is a bitter one to talk about. From. I, I had the Lakers winning it all. Um, not just because I'm a big LeBron fan, but because I thought their team was constructed well. But um, AD got injured during the series. Um, Dennis Schroeder was like 0 for 9 in that game 6. KCP wasn't 100%. And the Lakers could just never really hit their shots. But one thing I did notice is the Phoenix Suns were a scary team. I mean, D-Book and CP3 in the backcourt, that, that's lethal. I mean, they can mm-hmm. definitely go far. Um, I feel like their core is like really underrated, especially with Michael Bridges and uh, DeAndre Ayton, Dario Sarge, Shea Crowder. Like that is a very well constructed team, and like the job Monty Williams has been able to do, um, fixing their chemistry and you know building the juggernaut that they are right now is is remarkable. So maybe the Suns can make it to the Western Conference Finals, maybe the Finals. Who knows? Yeah, I mean this this Suns team is probably one of the the mo- most loaded teams we've seen in NBA. Like their starting lineup is also like is very very lethal but also like the bench players we see like jay crowder cameron Payne, like oh, yeah. being able to kind of offset the load with the cb3 when he was nursing that shoulder injury like really get that offense uh going so i mean yeah like this is a really dominant uh series win for the suns i mean really disappointing that the lakers were unable to pull it off um despite like yeah definitely all the injuries and like pretty much everyone not being fully healthy unfortunately as well this is like this is lebron's first ever first round series loss so um, definitely the haters are really like relish, uh, relishing this moment for sure. But um, yeah, I think I remember like after game six, you know, like obviously deep book absolutely went insane that first half. And then, you know, like the, the Lakers kind of made it interesting at some point. They cut it down to, I think like 10 in the fourth quarter, but you know, CP3 had to do his thing and just end it uh, in six games. Um, so yeah. But I think what's really cool is that like, after the game, like LeBron gave uh, D Book his uh, assigned jersey uh, for him, I think that's a really cool, great uh, gesture for LeBron, and that might be like the last time uh, yeah, D Book quite probably have the yeah last uh, LeBron jersey wearing twenty three for the Lakers. So, hey, it's in good hands. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so the next series got a three six matchup between Nuggets and Blazers. Nuggets were able to win in six games, and. I gotta say, this was definitely uh, one of the most entertaining series in the first round thus far. Um, and, you know, if Jokic um, just recently winning MVP, bring, really showing his MVP uh, form uh, against the Blazers, you know. Um, but, you know, like the, the Blazers, like in themselves, has some like good uh, games as well, like especially Dame Lillard. We're gonna talk about him uh, quite a bit for this series. I mean, game five was. Oh, uh, wow. Oof. Absolutely insane. I mean, 55. 55 over a double nickel. And, but fortunately, they weren't able to pull out the victory. Um, really costly turnovers for the, like the, like Blazers, uh, other players like uh, CJ McCollum. You know, he didn't have a great game that, uh, that time. And, you know, they just weren't able to have the support for Dame Willard. So, 
uh, get once again another stinging loss for the Blazers and their first round exits. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. I mean, the Nuggets did play really well, especially in that series. Michael Porter Jr. stepped up um, tremendously, and I think Austin Rivers had a few clutch threes. At oh, the definitely, end yeah. Two Austin games. Rivers, I think, was a probably one of the, a really great pickup for the Nuggets, especially. You know, I think that he was like absolutely shooting the lights out from three, shooting like north of fifty percent. And wow. yeah, and especially yeah, and definitely making some timely sh- uh, shots in the clutch. So yeah, definitely his contributions are definitely uh, not not missed. And then our last uh, match of the West first round, Clippers and Mavs. So the Mavs went up 2-0 and still somehow managed to lose. Um, I think everyone was counting the Clippers out, especially when they went down 3-2. Luka Doncic put on heroics. He even put up 46 in that game seven and still they could not win. Um, So Pandemic P is no longer Paul George. I'm just going to put that out there. Porzingis, man. Yeah, it's definitely the dude's Chris, literally seven foot three pedestrian because he does not drive. He just sits in the corner, doesn't do anything. I'm like, dude, you're seven foot three. Literally camps behind the perimeter and just hoping that he gets a catch and shoot. Like, come on now. Like, he's probably the shortest seven three we've ever seen. You know. And I, I mean, honestly, this is probably the weirdest series we've ever seen. I mean, because given that in the first six games, the road team won, and when the Mavs took the first two games against the Clippers, I think everyone's talking, saying that the Mavs are going to sweep them. Because like, and games three and four are at Dallas. And that pretty much the Clippers weren't just playing with, with urgency at all. And I'm pretty sure like in game three, the Mavs were up 30 to 11. And, you know, Rick Carlisle does his usual thing, like seeing Luca like the last like two, three minutes of first quarter and somehow in a flash, the Clippers just muscled their way back in, took the lead, and pretty much never looked back. And now they're on to the second round. One thing that really annoyed me about that series is that Rick, Carl, Rick Carlisle kept going back to that zone, and the Clippers were just getting open corner threes like every single time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you've won like championships with teams, and you know not to keep running the zone because they're going to figure that out. You do it occasionally, like switch up the tempo or confuse the... Uh, opponent, but this dude kept throwing exactly. his own, and I was just like, "This is too tight." Put me. Yeah, in I'm coach. pretty sure. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure. Like, uh, I believe that the Clippers are the number one three point shooting team in a regular season, and I think the highest in NBA history at 41 percent from three. So yeah, I was definitely wondering why, like, the Mavs coaching staff did not make any adjustments in terms of like really limiting the Clippers getting like, any three three point shots in. Um, and I think, like, also, Grant got to give credit to the Clippers as well. Like, um, Coach Tyron Lue was able to make the adjustment of not playing uh, Pat Bev uh, in the starting lineup because definitely in the first two games of the series, Luca was absolutely abusing the little small. man. Like, you're too, you're too, uh, expletives, uh, small. <laughs> but I mean, definitely, um, this, like, this is a timely adjustment uh, for the Clippers and it paid its dividends. Like, now they're, um, I think like they definitely like had like Kawhi or PG um, guarding up against Luca, like two of the, like the best uh, perimeter defenders in the league, uh, matching against Luca, which you all want to see. And you know they were able to contain him at at times. And now they're in the second round. So all right, next up we got the Eastern Conference first round matchups. We got the first seed Sixers against the AC Wizards, winning the Sixers winning at five games. Now. Um, I think it's like a really interesting series as as well, but mostly because of the fans. And let's just say oh, yeah. the fans in the playoffs this year 
are quite, uh, I don't know how to say, like quite passionate in a way I say. Um, nice I think like, the first instinct we saw was like when uh, Westbrook had an like, ankle injury towards um, towards the end of the quarter, uh, end of the fourth quarter, and he had to usher in the locker room. And then some, like somehow, as he was walking in, some like dumbheaded Sixer fan decided to throw popcorn on him. Yeah, like, that's... like are you are are you serious? Like this? That's so disrespectful. You just and, never do you that. Know, and, and like Westbrook's reaction was definitely fitting. Like it was definitely sure that he was definitely willing to go up the stands and like absolutely figure out who it is and actually give him a mouth whooping. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously, come on guys, you know, um, I mean, I understand it's been roughly almost over a year since like fans are in the stadium and like most of the arenas are like nearly full capacity of fans. So I, I get it as well, but come on, you, you all play like really good money to get these seats and you're just pretty much abusing them. So I don't, I don't know why like everyone's, people are doing these kind of antics. So, but without the way, I mean, other than that, I mean, this is definitely a dominant Sixer victory. I mean, Joel Embiid is um, probably playing his best as a big man like all season long. He's continuing on in the in, the, in that series, despite having he had like a little uh, like a knee injury, like a torn like a partial torn meniscus. I sidelined him for like a few games, which allowed the Wizards uh, to take one of the games as well. But you know, pretty convincing Sixer win. Indeed. So Nets up, yeah, Nets up next up. Obviously, right there. All right. Uh, <laughs> the Nets and the Celtics. Um, I feel like this was a miss, miss, mismatch just to begin with. I mean, Celtics just didn't have enough firepower to match the Nets, and the Nets are actually like unstoppable. Like even though mm-hmm. like like Harden got injured in the second round, which I shouldn't be talking about right now. But like, do KD, Kyrie, that whole team, they just don't miss. And I mean, they, they just, just can't. Like, obliterated the competition yeah the Nets are yeah. looking like title favorites I, I can't see anybody else definitely by them. far um, especially with the way how they're playing even with like without James Harden you know this this Nets team is absolutely insane um, but they didn't sweep them they won in five games and the reason is because in game three Jason Tatum uh, pulled up a 50 piece in that game and this is probably like this is Jason Tatum like having a I think pretty much like this throughout the season he's, he's definitely a superstar especially the, the fact that um, he's really like polishing all of his scoring abilities and really trying to um, expand his arsenal and I think pretty sure throughout the season he had like four 50 point games he had a 60 point game against the Spurs so and I like, had that 50 point game against the Wizards in a play-in game so I mean, especially with the absence of Jalen Brown. I mean, with Jalen Brown, I think maybe it could, they could probably put in like maybe six games or something. But um, Jason Tatum, man, this 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 kid is something. I think he's only t- like 22 years old, something, 22, 23. Yeah, yeah something like, like that. That's insane. I think that's the one matchup they really wanted to avoid is the Nets because the Nets just too much offense. They're just way power. too much for them, unfortunately. But you know, kudos to, like Jason Tatum, like other, uh, like having his fifty-point game, like that was definitely really impressive. All right, and the next matchup is the three-seed Bucks against the six-seed Heat, and this was something not not was that was not really expected. Bucks swept the Heat. Um, this is the matchup that people were really thinking like, you know, why did the Bucks decide to put a matchup against the Heat? Because like, you know, the Heat embarrassed them last year when he had, uh, winning them in five and 
people are saying like the Bucks are just going to do that again. Like just going to lose to the Heat in the first round, and it's just going to be another playoff disappointment. But Bucks decide not to have any of that slander and decide to turn things up and just go for a sweep. And uh, I mean, this is I think it's a completely different Bucks team compared to last year. Like we got definitely. Um, a Drew Holiday, and like other uh, players like uh, P.J. Tucker, Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, and others, you know, they're just, just really um, committed to being coming, being very aggressive, being physically minded. Um, they just really made, they just made the Heat very uncomfortable in terms of running their offense, and they just couldn't get any shots whatsoever. I mean, it's considering like the Heat were also one of the other teams that made the finals last year, and they were also first round exit. Especially mm-hmm. that they got sweeped, I think was the biggest disappointment. Yeah, I mean, um, when you have when Brent Forbes outscores Jimmy Butler in that playoff series, I think you kind of th- think that the Heat aren't going to win that series. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's enough said. One thing I was, I was actually kind of funny was that the Bucks Twitter um, had like a little video of like a timeline between like the Heat fans like like saying like oh the Bucks are gonna absolutely gonna get destroyed by the Heat and then like as the games go on one two games one two three and like somehow the tables have turned uh against the Heat and, and it's a sweep uh, and then our last match of the Eastern Conference first round uh my Knicks versus uh the Hawks and yeah I, yeah it wasn't Knicks and six it was Hawks and five um, first thing, like Trey Young, oh my God, bro! This dude put up like his first four road playoff games. Like he put up thirty plus, and like in that mm-hmm. series, he was still balling out. This Atlanta team is better than I thought they were. I mean, Trey Young's leadership, his ferocity, his sort of that like X factor that certain players have to have in order to be good. Like he has all that, and um, they even stole one game from the Sixers um, in the next mm-hmm. round. But this yeah. this round, I mean. Even though this was like a very, this is disappointing for the Knicks, I got to say, MSG was rocking, uh, rocking, absolutely electric. I mean, especially like in games one and two, um, people were like really, like really into and seeing like the energy that this crowd is bringing, especially the playoff drought and the suffering they've had over the past decade or so. So being able to see themselves in the playoffs, um, you know, despite not being able to win it out, I think it was like a great um, way to display their the fans' passion, uh, just seeing their supporting their team and just seeing the playoffs once again. Uh, yeah, D Rose, man, D Rose, um, absolutely carried. Uh, I mean, Julius Randle, he won MI, MIP in regular season, but I think the MIP in the, in the playoffs was uh, missing in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, he he, he was like a completely different uh, player. He was in, a, in the regular season, so. Um, I mean, people were speculating that like whether he's like able to really carry this team uh, to the promised land. Um, I I I still have my hopes on him, given like how how much he has improved uh, in one season. So just let just let time uh, play out. Hopefully, they bring back D Rose because like you know D Rose is able to get one MVP vote in, and like man, he he was definitely the one carrying that team. For real. All right, next up. So we got the second round matchups, and as they are all and currently in progress, we got the Jazz Clippers. Uh, Jazz currently at the game one zip. They're playing game two tonight, so be sure to, to tune in on that. Uh, that game one, honestly, was uh, I gotta say, 
was uh, quite quite interesting. Um, the Clippers were uh, came out blazing in the first half. Like Donovan Mitchell did, like he said in his post game interview, he played absolutely terrible in that first half, and like he put all the blame on himself. Um, they were, I think like they were up like 13 at halftime, and then somehow in the third quarter, Donovan Mitchell decides to go off, scoring the first 10 points, and then. You know, they were able to take the lead and decide and was able to hold the Clippers off and take that game one. Mm-hmm. And how about uh, Dwayne Wade being in attendance and talking to Mitchell um, during the game and coaching him up? No, we like to see that oh, brother love that. here. I love to see that. Um, you know, like especially like Donovan Mitchell's like his one of his favorite players is D Wade and being able to have like advice from definitely one of the all time great. Really great to see that. Um, and as for the Clippers, I mean, they they put up a really good fight in the first half, and you know they were kind of made it like, kind of relatively close in the second half. But uh, you know I, I think we kind of need a file like an APB for uh, Paul George. Um, where were you, bro? Uh, like, where were you? Like what three three of fifteen from the field? Um, I don't know. We don't know where you were. Um, perhaps maybe you took that the, uh, that Porzingis taking the playoff P uh, title personally and decided to take that back. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's up with you, PG. You gotta think. You got. You really gotta. You know, kind of re- turn that thing around for game two tonight. So, hopefully, we'll see the Paul George he is. All right, our next series, um, Suns and Nuggets. Man, the Suns are on fire. Literally the hottest team in the league. They're no, literally the hottest team. Uh, quite fittingly, uh, CP3 is absolutely like really becoming. 15. The, uh, yeah, 15-15 and zero turnovers. Um, I think God. probably one of the reasons why the Suns are 2-0 is I believe there's a one there's a stat that Chris Paul has 26 assists and just one one turnover. Uh, this is the point. This is the uh, penalty point god doing point god things and yeah, D book. This man is absolute superstar, especially in his first playoff, his playoff debut. His this is his first. Uh, first time experiencing the playoffs and it's looked like that he's been here all the time and yeah they are absolutely on fire I think they've outscored their opponents in the past four games at least I think a total of 84 points on these past four games these are absolutely complete blowouts for the Suns and they're just cooking it in all cylinders I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to make it all the way to the finals and maybe who knows they could be the team that could be able to stop the Nets from winning the chip conference time all right so we got um sixers and the hawks um the hawks stole game one um behind trey young's insane performance um um i'm not sure i think Embiid was back no i don't think Embiid was was Embiid playing game one i think he was he pulled up i think he had like 39 points uh in that game but trey young uh and also uh bogdan bogdanovich with that clutch three uh, I mean, like Trey Young as like definitely like the the leader of the team, but also like having great players like um, as we mentioned, Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, uh, John Collins, especially Dylan Gallinari, uh, Clint Capella, especially being able to anchor the defense and getting like good rebounds. I mean, this Hawks team is definitely a scary team. And good thing that the Sixers were able to rebound convincingly uh, that game two and be pull up a career playoff high forty. Forty since. 
I think it's the first Sixers player since AI, right? Yeah. Yep. So definitely good to see that. Um, but you know, as Trayon said, like watch out when you're playing the ATL. I mean, I'm Turn definitely, off. I'm definitely expecting the State Farm Arena to absolutely be turned up to the max. Ice tray. Ice tray. Man, like I'm telling you, I like Trey Young, man. I think like a lot of these players like just are just experiencing playoffs for the first time. Like Deep Book, Trey Young. Uh, I mean, they are absolutely taking full advantage of this opportunity and really showing what they're capable of. So, yeah, I, I'm exp- like hopefully I'm thinking like this series could probably, you know, maybe go down go down the way, go down the length, maybe six seven games. You know, it's, it's, we'll see how things turn out. And our 2-3 matchup between the Nets and Bucks. Uh, a lot of us were expecting to, like this to be a very, uh, very physical, a very, very mark, definitely a marquee matchup. Uh, people are thinking like this could go six to seven, but currently as it stands, the Nets are up two zip. Uh, they secured their uh, protected their home court, uh, especially at game two, man. I mean, face was at that, yes, that game that day, and stadium it was. Yeah, Barclays Center was definitely the hype, as you recall. But that, you know, that was an absolute uh, beatdown. I mean, especially without even without James Harden, they were able to win 39 points. I don't know what to say. Uh, Currently, right now, they're playing game three. Uh, It's currently right now, uh, Bucks are up 45-42 at halftime at the time of this recording. So, wow. I'm ex- we're definitely expecting a uh, very tight game, hopefully in the second half. But you know, as great like the Bucks have been like stacked up, like can they really overcome this Nets team? You know, like you have probably the most talented offensive team in the history of the NBA, and is there a way that this Bucks team can really contain those? I can. I think Giannis has just been like so anemic at the free throw line. And overall, their offense has just been stalling. I mean, he shot one for six in game two, and I'm like, for a person that's an MVP, like you have to be able to hit free throws down the stretch. One of six, mm-hmm. that's like less than twenty percent. Yep, that's uh, that is definitely not going to give you uh, any good chance of advancing the playoffs. So, I mean, really. Honestly, Coach Bud would might honestly take Giannis out, especially if uh, like down the stretch they're playing the free throw game. Like definitely give the ball to Middleton because Middleton is definitely their best shooter of this Bucks team. And yeah, I mean, um, hopefully Giannis is able to show that dominance that he's like proven to be able to show in the, in the regular season. Uh, and you know, uh, hopefully the Bucks will be able to take care of their home court as well and tightest games, uh, tightest series have at two two apiece. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, so, I'm excited to see yeah. what the rest of the games, you know, look like. Hopefully we get some more entertaining games and not a bunch of blowouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So why don't we predict the second round matchup? So what do you think between the Jazz and Clippers? Currently the Jazz only 1-0. What do you think is your prediction? I mean the Jazz in seven. So Jazz in seven? Yeah. Ooh. I like that take as well. I think definitely it should go at least six or seven games. And I think like the Jazz, you know, I think like they're probably one of the deepest teams um, as in the in the league as well. Especially in game one, they did not have they didn't have Mike Conley, who's definitely one of their um, best scorers uh, for this Jazz team as well. And being able to squeeze in a victory against the Clippers, uh, I think um, they should be able to pull this victory out. Despite like you know like PG and Kawhi didn't have great games as well in that one. But 
I think like their bench was had like probably one of their best games they've had all year, and I'm probably I'm kind of sure they won't be able they may not be able to replicate that level of performance down the stretch. So um, definitely, I'm expecting like really good good series between two, especially what we saw from game one. So yeah, thinking Jazz and seven as well. Now for the Suns and Nuggets, I mean, Suns and four. I'm just gonna, Suns and four. I mean. That's a sweep. Honestly, I mean, probably maybe gentlemen sweep, Suns and five. You know, uh, I mean, this because definitely this team is is absolutely cooking. They're absolutely on fire. Um, as you know, as great as like Nikola Jokic has been, like the recently anointed MVP. I don't think that they have like enough firepower to really like overcome this Nets off uh, the Suns offense. Uh, I'd say, and yeah. I mean, obviously, Jokic is going to do his thing, but really, can Porter, like Porter, Barton, and like Morris and others, be able to step up and really like compensate what the Suns' offense are able to bring in night in, night out, especially uh, when you're playing against them at home. I mean, the Phoenix crowd is just loud. absolutely Big loud, like very loud. It's very a hostile environment for the opposing team. It's going to be very tough for them to win. Um, yeah, I'm thinking like a sun, like definitely at least a Suns in five or four. Um, yeah, Sixers Hawks. Ooh, I mean, I'm probably. Mm, I'm thinking maybe Sixers and six. No, so I currently, yeah. So currently, the Hawks. So currently, the series tied one one, and the Hawks are going to play um, at their home court. I'm thinking the Sixers might be able to squeeze one. At Atlanta, and afterwards, I think they'll win Game Five at, at home, and I think probably they might be able to uh, close out a series at Atlanta in six. So, as great as, like Trey Young and like um, the rest of his squad has been playing really nicely, I think like the defense and like the offense that the Sixers bring are just gonna overwhelm them quite a bit. So. Also, I'm expecting as well like a really good series between the two as well, especially we saw from the first two games. But I think like Sixers in six. And then our last matchup. Last matchup. Nets, Nets and Bucks. And four. Sorry. Nets and no, four. Yeah, you know what? Let's just do in five at least. You know, right, gotta be, be nice. gotta 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 be a gentleman. You know, but you know, this Nets team is as we as everyone's known has known for this past year one of the best like most offensively gifted teams we've ever seen and there's just probably gonna be too much for the bucks so yep nuts are going to the conference finals and probably in a quicker than we expect so yeah all right well that's everything i have on my end uh as do here so thank you all for watching uh not watching sorry thank you for listening <laughs> for this episode of the box of one playoff edition and uh stay tuned for more fresh, clean, clean content. And we'll yes, see sir. you. We about that. Yes, sir. The next trust. episode. Woo-hoo. Yes, sir. All right. Later, folks. So, yo.